Happy Mother's Day. It's a strong song, strong message. If my people humble themselves and pray. Very uh, fitting for the day because on this Mother's Day, we're going to be kicking off a, a new series. It's kind of a significant time that I hope that you will buy into and join in as an entire church family uh, just to be a part of something I think is going to be very special. Mothers, you have established for us uh, the importance of unity, the importance of unity in the home. That's why you raise your kids and you tell them that, uh, you know, when you make a mistake or you do something wrong, you say, you tell them you're sorry uh, and you have proper attitudes in relationship to your brothers and sisters where you learn to get along so you're not throwing a fit and causing trouble into your adulthood. Um, my mom used to do this horrible thing because my brothers and I, there's four brothers, and we, if you're around guys, you know any event can turn into a competition. And at the end of an event of a competition, there's always a fight. So we always had these little wars going on all the time. You know, if we started out throwing rocks on the, on the pond within a short time, it's see how fast you can run and I'll th see if I can hit you with the rock. It turns into that. And so when they hit, you have the wars. And then, of course, the 4th of July, um, which you're supposed to do, you get the, uh, the Roman candles, right? Those are for war. Did you know that? You wear glasses and you shoot them at each other. That's just the way it is. Don't Now, kids, don't take that home. But that's kind of what we did. We turned everything, we turned everything into a competition and a battle. And so when it would get heated and hot and we'd get mad and there'd be a war or fight going on, my mom would always step in and she's a mighty mom. She's about that tall. About that tall, seriously. But she was mighty and she, uh, and she had these famous words, just wait till your dad gets home. But she would always make us do this, this thing that would drive us crazy as brothers. Tell him you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now hug him. She would always do that, requiring us to get back to some kind of unity when something had broken out. So, ladies, you are the driving force, probably, in all of our culture about family in unity, church in unity, community in unity, nation in unity, and it's a big thing that you do. So it's in that spirit of honoring mothers today, I want to ask us to, as a church to go into a season of unity. And I'm not saying that because I sense disunity, because I haven't. And our, Vicki and I, a year and a half being here has been one of the sweetest seasons of our entire life, just to be a part of what God's doing in this church family. But what I'm saying is, um, I'm wanting to see the Lord do something very powerful and effective in our midst. And I think unity is the way that we get there. Unity in prayer. But to support this concept of unity, today, I'm asking you all to get one of these books. We're not making money on the books. I'm just, we just got them to cover expenses. And here's the deal. If you don't have funds to pay for it, it's our gift to you. If you have extra funds to pay for somebody else, pay for it, and we'll know the Lord will work it out. But we want all of you to have this 52-day devotional. If you have this and your Bible... And inside is a prayer card. I'm going to talk about it a little bit today. 
but I, this will give us direction on how we're to pray during this 52 days. The devotional will take us through so that we're thinking and praying about on the same pages every day for the next 52 days. And have your scripture there with you as you go. And it's going to be a great time. And you're going to say, Mark, why? What's this all about? Why would we do this? What's your motive? Well, um, my only motive in the midst of that is that I know when God's people humble themselves and pray, just like they say, and seek my face and turn from our own wicked ways, we'll hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sins. And boy, we need this. He'll heal our land. That's his promise. And so that's the whole motive behind this. I want us to, in this, as we find a secret place for us to pursue our relationship with the Lord for the next 52 days, I'd like for the belief without doubt to grow, and I would like to have the doubt begin to diminish in all of us about who God is, about what his word says, and what we believe. Well, I want that to grow. I want to ask God in this time to release his power in such a way that it is that there's a manifest presence of the Spirit of God when we gather. Don't you desire that? I mean, the manifest, it's, uh, the revealing presence of God begins to work and change and, in, and work in people's lives. I desire that probably more than anything. I even want to have in this place of unity a release of the miraculous powers of God's kingdom as it is in heaven, that so shall it be on this earth. I want that to be a reality. Because as you remember, John, uh, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, one day, as at the early stages when Jesus was coming on the scene uh, for the first time as the Messiah, he sent word to Jesus. He said, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Or should we be waiting for another? Are you the Messiah we've heard about all of our life? Or should we wait for another? Jesus sent the word back to him and said, just tell John this. Tell him what you're seeing. That the blind are seeing. The lame are walking. The deaf can hear. The lepers are cured. Tell him the dead are raised. Tell him the poor have the gospel preached to them. And that there were many coming to give their life to this Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus said, just tell him what I'm doing. That's what I want in the life of the church. It's not where we're promoting a program, an organization. We're promoting that you need to see what God's doing. As life. Do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he will? Okay, that's what I want to grow in here. I know we're not God and we're not, we don't, he's not a puppet for us to manipulate. But his God, his word is very clear about what he's going to do. And what his desire is for his people. So please, pick up one of those books. And it starts today. The 52 days start today. The last Sunday of our 52 days, I want it to be, I want you to know now. I want it to be a day of miracles. On that last Sunday when we gather in here after we've spent We've been in our secret place with the Lord for the next 52 days. I want to ask on that last day that we come in with a great high expectation of God to move among his people. 
that lost people you will be bringing in with you will come and they'll be saved. Marriages heals, sight restored. Because I have people praying for my left eye, which is a little weird, and uh, asking the Lord to bring full healing to that. Along with that book, inside you're going to get this card. We're going to call it the three. There's three categories and there's three points under each category. And here's what I want you to be praying about for the next 52 days. First thing, pray for people, the three people in my life that I know do not know Jesus. Pray, write their names down. Three people in your life, neighborhood, family members, work associates, the gas station, uh, grocery store, I don't know, doesn't matter where you know them, but I want you to start, you know what's really kind of weird? The longer you're in church, the less unbelievers you know. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Think about just a moment. We build our culture, we build our life, we build our family around believers, and so we almost kind of isolate when basically the Lord says that as the church, we are here to be a demonstration and a representation of Jesus Christ in a lost world. So the more we isolate and connect for our own pleasure, the less we're doing of taking the gospel to people that are, if they die in this condition, die separated from God. So I'm going to ask you to find three people that do not know the Lord, put their name on that, on your prayer card, and start praying for them by name every day for the next 52 days. I'm going to ask you to do this. Say, Lord, please stir up in their heart. Put a hunger in them. Holy Spirit, go after them with your conviction. Lord, give me an opportunity in these next few days or weeks to just tell them, how much the Lord has done for me. Just begin to pray for those three people. I'm also asking us to start praying for the three closest neighborhoods to our church. Fulbright Springs. Where am I? Yes, Fulbright. Is that right? Fulbright Springs. Twin Lakes, just about a quarter of a mile over here. And Spring Meadows, right behind Lowe's. Those are our three closest neighborhoods. I'm going to ask you to start praying for them every day. I'd love for you as small groups to take a community and make an assignment like we did before we got here, you know, where we had people prayer walking. I'd love for you to, as a group, take this and say, I'll do Monday, you do Tuesday, and let's begin to saturate these neighborhoods with prayer, asking God to stir up a, a hunger for God, a move of God, in our day, we desperately need it. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from our wicked ways, we'll hear from heaven, forgive our sins, heal our land. Isn't that what we need? We need it so badly. And then pray for the three Hamlin missions that we have, which is Watkins Elementary, Hillcrest High School, and then Fulbright Springs Community. They get a double prayer down, down there. So just please make that a part of this 52 days. And it will give you direction on how to pray every day. Uh, Bob Sorge, the author of that book, wrote these words. I am absolutely convinced the power of heaven is unlocked on earth. When we devote ourselves to prayer in the secret place of the Most High. If we believe that. 
I'm going to call you to pray and live that out for the next 52 days. The psalmist David had found a secret place, and he wrote about it in Psalm 91. Would you get your Bibles and go to Psalm 91? One of my favorite psalms. And King David knew this because he lived this. Remember Saul chased him and did all kinds of havoc against him, probably would have killed him on the certain days. So he, he knew of what it meant to be in difficulty and stress and all kinds of things. And in the midst of that, he found out a place that was secret between him and God. I'm not even talking about it could be a, a closet, a prayer room. You know, what was that movie that had the prayer room? War room. It may be a war room. That's awesome. I hope you have a place like that. If you don't kick some shoes out of your closet and get down and in the side of a closet. I don't, but what I'm talking about a secret place is not necessarily a location on the earth. I'm talking about a position between you and God that is developed and it begins to be your place of secret. David had it in Psalm 91. Do you have that scripture? Let's look at it together. I'm just going to kind of walk through it and see the promises that are given by the Lord in a secret place. He who dwells, and the NIV says shelter, other translations say secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Well, I want you to look here. In the midst of this first secret place, there are places of rest. There's a place of rest. I'm going to talk about it in just a moment. In our day, Vicki and I, our calendar has gotten so crazy. The last several weeks, <clears throat> it's just day and night, event after event. Then you guys have had graduation parties and, and everything happening. And you're, it begins to be where you just want to have a moment somewhere quiet where I can kind of get a sense of rest and a sense of peace. This secret place, God says, in that secret place is a place, is the place you will find that rest you're so desperately wanting. It's not necessarily talking about a physical rest, although that's important, but it's a soulish rest. And here's why you can have that rest. The next verses say it like this. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. That's, that's simply a place of protection. You go there and you hide in him. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. And you know what that is. It's a place of defense. He's my place I run to when I'm afraid. He's my defense against the enemies. And then he goes on to say, my God in whom I, watch this, trust. Let me ask you. How many of you, have in your life a person that you can trust 100%. How many of you have that? I have this person in my life. I can trust them 100%. If you have that, you've been given one of the greatest gifts on planet Earth. And I'll tell you, you'll find that that's a few in number. You can have a lot of people you love and are kind of close to, but I'm talking about the person you can trust. That is a precious gift. And this says right here, in whom I can trust. You can tell him anything. Tell him when you're mad. Tell him when you're sad. Tell him when you're glad. Tell him when you're upset at him. Tell him when it doesn't make sense what he's doing. He can take all that. 
because in that relationship, he's so faithful that you can trust him with the entirety of yourself. You don't have to put on your religious church stuff to go pray. You can go just like you are in the condition you're in and you bring it before him. And it's a place you can trust. That's why it is a place of rest. Look at the next section here. In the secret place, it says he's going to save us. Look at these things that we're going to be saved from. I, he said, I will save you from the fowler's snare, simply a trap. The enemy, if you'll read scripture about spiritual warfare, has schemes against you. The schemes of the devil. And do you know what the word scheme means? It means a sabotage. If you're walking along on your road, Satan is on this, behind this corner, you can't see him. And you're walking along and all of a sudden, boom, you're hit. It's, that's a trap. And the Lord says, I will save you from that trap, the fowler's snare. I'm going to protect you from deadly pestilence, disease. You're, he says, my hand, my protection is for those who live with me in that place of secret place. He will cover you with the feathers, with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield. That means traps of the enemy, no disease. Uh, he'll protect us from harm. No fear or terror of night. It, it says you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, weapons, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. What everybody else is afraid of, you won't be because the Lord says as you are in that secret place with me, I am your protection. And he uses the picture of a, of a hen, a mother hen, You've seen that, if you, maybe you haven't, but if you live near the farm, you will see that many times that when there's some kind of a danger, the chicks will run right up under the wings of the hen. And that's the picture he's saying. I'm going to put you under my wings. And if they get to you, they have to get through me first. And that's what he promises for those who dwell with him in the secret place. The next thing is that he has... Uh, in the secret place he has promises. Look at verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand may fall at your right hand. But, look at this, it will not come near you. What a promise. You know, we start hearing about nuclear war and we start hearing about this and that. It gets so scary. I grew up uh, with the Russia Cold War, Cold War. Some of you old people like me grew up and you remember the scary things I think in school we would even have where you hide under the desk, wasn't it? Didn't we do tests for some kind of a nuclear fallout or something? And so you have that dread. As a kid, I remember the heaviness of that dread, that possibility. But the reality is if you are in that secret place with the Lord, it really doesn't matter what is happening here. You're His. And He is yours. And you are protected under His Wing, verse 7, verse 8, you will not only, you will observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. You'll get to see God's work or judgment against those who fought against him. Verse 9, if you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. It's not saying you won't have difficulty. It just says the Lord will make sure you're protected as you walk through these things. No disaster will come to, uh, near your tent. 
Look at verse 11. I, he says, I'm gonna command my angels concerning you. What a cool thing. The legion or the armies of heaven. You've heard that song, the hymn, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world. Well, that's based on a scriptural uh, reference that he could have called at any moment from the cross and the angels of, the, of heaven would have come for his rescue. But he didn't do that. He went through, paid that price. But there is a mighty army of the Lord in the angelic realm. And the scripture says right here that I'm going to command my angels concerning you. Watch, hear this. To guard you in all your ways. Who? Those who are dwelling with him in the secret place. You will lift up your heads. You'll lift up your hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Now look at this last thing. In the secret place, something develops. Look at verse 14. You may want to circle it. Because he loves me. Says the Lord, I will rescue him. Because he loves me. A love relationship is developing in this secret place. If you're going to trust somebody, I talked about earlier, if you had somebody that you can trust with every part of your life, it's because you've spent a lot of time with them. You've gotten to know their character. You were able to share with them failings and failures and weaknesses, and they never hurt you with them. They never damaged you with it. They protected those in you. If you, it says right here, for those, watch it, because he people love me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me. I love this. He will call upon me, and I'm going to answer him. You start praying in the secret place, in that close place of unity. And the Lord says, I hear you. And I'm going to answer you. I will be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him. And I was thinking of Billy Graham on this last verse. With long life, I will satisfy him. I thought that was cool. A godly man, and he lived a very long life. And he had this honor, this protection on him. And I'm going to show him my salvation. That's the secret place. David found it. He was a man of war. He was a man chased by uh, Saul. He knew all kinds of difficulty and conflict and war and battle. But he found there was a secret place. And that's, what I'm, that's my motive for the next 52 days. That we as an entire church go to building that deep relationship with the Lord where we fall in love with him and he says because he loves me I'm going to there's going to be a, a new level of, of depth I think in what we're going to be doing so ladies I want to talk to you as I close there's a picture I want you to look at <clears throat> see the one in the middle what's that called what's the name Mona Lisa All right, go with me through this concept Let's say you got this early on, you purchased this for, you know, a few thousand dollars early on in your journey um, from a very famous artist, and you begin to see how amazing the brush strokes were, the, the, the shadowing, you see the Mona Lisa smile, and you, 
you cherished that picture. You bought it, you brought it in, you hung it on a, in a place in your home that was just the, like the center point of your home. You had special electricians come in and light, uh, uh, wire it up so that you could put lighting on it so that as people came into your home, they could see that picture and love it and honor it as much as you. And you bought that painting right before the artist was killed in a tragic accident. So that just, the, the price of that painting went, started going way up because of that precious nature. You loved it. You honored it. You cherished it. You loved it. You looked at it. You showed people. You told people about what you had. And then one day you came home from work and the front door, the lock on your front door had been broken. You go in the house and you can see that it was a petty thief. They got some electronics and they got a TV and you went to the spot and they had taken the picture. Ripped it off the wall. They had taken it. You had marked all of your items with some kind of identification. So after you turned it into the police, a couple of weeks later in this scenario, they came and said, hey, we found some of your items down at the flea market. And even though it was a rainy, muddy, cold day, you went down to the flea market to look for your stuff. Primarily, you wanted to go find that picture. <clears throat> so you walked, you walked around. It was getting muddy everywhere. Spent several hours. You found some of your trinkets and some of your items, but you wanted that picture. And as you're getting ready to leave and walk out, there stacked up were about 10 paintings side by side. So you stopped and looked and you pulled through it and there was the painting. It had a gouge through it. The bottom had been ripped as they pulled it off of something and there was even a footprint right over the front of the painting. And in your mind, several thoughts were going through your mind as you saw that beautiful painting look that way. You had to have the question, you know, I feel sorry for the guy that bought this or is trying to sell it with these other, because these other paintings, you could buy all 10 of them for probably 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? And that was in the midst of them. What he didn't know, he had a, a multi-million dollar painting or maybe, maybe even priceless. And the guy that had it was trying to sell it, didn't even know it. He was just trying to sell it for cheap. You get angry that somebody would steal it and treat it in such a way. Because you knew how precious it was. But you're grateful that you found it. Because you have this ability and they have these folks who can restore those kinds of work. So for cheap, you bought back your priceless painting. You took it, you had it cleaned professionally, restored back to its original place of beauty. And hung back onto your mantle in your home. The reason I tell you that picture, I feel like that our culture does that to women a lot of the time. Far too often we have used women for our own benefit, hijacked them at times for our own purpose, failed to realize their true value, and at times injured them in ways that made them feel ripped, jabbed, and stepped on. Our culture does that. I want you to understand today. 
ladies, you have a very, very big load to carry and a vital role to play. We could not function, honestly. My home would, could not function. I tell Vicki, just make sure I die first. Because if something happened to her, I'm done. I don't even know. I, I, I couldn't tell you if I had a dollar in the bank or not. I don't know. I, just, I don't. I just get a little card and swipe it. She just takes care of so many things for me. I just, you know what I'm saying? You guys are so precious to us. But if you're feeling like that today, you've been through that shredding process and you're found in the mud, down with the cheap items, and yet God created you to be very, very precious and special and priceless. I want you to know something. Vicki, would you come? God's searching for you. Just like the owner of that painting. God's searching for you. Because he's not forgotten you. He knows that you're not a cheap painting in the mud. He knows because he painted you. He painted, he knit you together in your mother's womb just exactly the way you are. That's perfection to him. That's Mona Lisa's smile to him for each of you. And the Father is, is, is searching for you to mend you, to restore you, to put you back together, back to the place of glory that he intended. So on this day, moms, we love you. We don't ever say it enough and we'd never demonstrate it like we should. But we love you. And before we left today, I wanted us to take a minute to just give a chance that we might pray for you. I've asked some ladies to stand and they're going to be on the sides and close to the front here. I'm going to ask Dina. Dina, would you stand over there? And for those of you ladies that are in, uh, have a desire for marriage and a desire for children, but so far that's not at timing or the right place, but we'd like to pray and ask God's best over you. If you have that, Dina will be there. If your children are away from the Lord, if there's some place that the kids are not in a right place, I'm asked Dee Dee, Dee Dee, would you please stand and she'll have a poster. She's going to pray for you in that area. Ladies, if you're here and you need healing, physical, emotional, relational, whatever component of your life, there needs to be a place of healing. I'm going to ask you to get with Gina. Gina will be right here and she's going to pray for you. There are some who live constantly in a pit of despair. It's silent and most people may not know it, but it's, a, it's literally a place that feels like a dark pit of despair. And I've asked Tammy to stand over here and she's going to pray for you. Others are going through a great, great, great loss and the grief of loss. We went through that and still go through that. We lost a couple of children prior to birth. One, we had carried seven months and lost that baby. And we, when we still go through that and hear that, it's the tears are right there. And that's that fresh. And if you would like prayer for some type of deep loss, Carol Clyer is going to pray for you. And if you're in a place where your relationships are broken and difficult, I'm going to have April. April, would you come? And if you need prayer for a special uh, relationship restoration, we're just going to wait for just a moment. If you have a need, 
We're going to stand, go to one of those, and they're going to pray. And that's going to, it won't be a major deal. We're just going to be praying for God's best in that situation. Let's stand.